Hello, this is Joshua Bell with The Kilt and the Cloth, and I am doing an interview with Sally Frazier, a member of our church here at First Christian Church of Perry, as we continue our series on how I came to worship. I hope you enjoy. God bless. So, Sally, I'm, I'm so glad that we're, uh, we're doing our interview twice now. This is the, the second time that we've been able to do it. The first time the sound equipment decided not to work. This time we, we get to have this great conversation. So, uh, again, I want to say thank you for participating with us in this interview. Thank you. Um, so, uh, just to kind of remind my listeners, part of what, what I'm doing here is, is I'm gathering information for my dissertation, uh, specifically about how... God works in our life and how we came to understand bits and pieces of worship that we do. Um, so, Sally, you and I have had lots of conversations about this, and I'm, and I'm just kind of curious, how was it that you came to, uh, to your faith? Was it like through Sunday school or church or VBS? Or? I can't remember a time when I didn't believe in God and Jesus. I, I was a, enrolled in the cradle roll here about six days after I was born in November of 1938. Oh and so I was a member here from the beginning. And I was at Sunday school probably every Sunday unless I had the flu. We used to have the flu every winter because um, there weren't any shots. Right. <laughs> Dad would go to the pharmacy and get 50 milligram penicillin tablets, which whoever was sick took. Nice. Yeah. So I was in Sunday school forever. Um, and then I was in youth as soon as I got in junior high, and I was at camp once in junior high and all through high school and two years of ecclesia in college. Yeah, ecclesia, I, we, we didn't get to talk about that a little bit. The, the denomination uh, used to have a, a young adult group. That's college would, age. Yeah, college age. Disciple and, student fellowship groups. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. And and so you were, you were a part of that. So... Uh, I mean, I'm not going in order of the questions, you know, obviously it's just about a discussion, but so where did, where did you guys go to camp? Okay, okay. Um, when I was in, going into ninth grade, no, going into, yeah, going into ninth grade because we still had junior high, we still had Cairo and CYF. Um, I went one time somewhere around Stillwater and I don't know where that was <laughs> because I was not terribly interested in how we got to where we were. We just had camp there. Got it. And then the whole time I was in high school, we had conference at uh, Tonkawa College, which it, junior National Northern Oklahoma Junior College it was then, and we stayed in their dorms and all that. Had group in their classrooms. Um, went to Ecclesia the summer after I got out of high school. Um, Jack Devine got me a scholarship, and it was in... Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Oh, my goodness. And went there by bus. Um, first microwave I'd ever heard of. I didn't see it, but it was at a stop we made for food on the way up there. And there I roomed with a group of girls. One of them was from North Carolina, where she went to Duke. Not Duke, but Duke. Duke, that's right. And one was from Alabama. And by the time the week was over, I was speaking deep southern. <laughs> that is so awesome. And the next year, I went to, he got me a scholarship again. I went to, um, oh, it's a college in Fayetteville, Fayetteville, Arkansas. U of A. 
Okay. University of Arkansas, I think. Okay. It was one of them. And that's the time that I met Ralph Alexander because he was there also with his current girlfriend, whom he didn't marry. But <laughs> <laughs> And you have their hymnal, which I brought back. Yeah. Went from choir um, that has hymns in all kinds of languages. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, so, so these were general youth events. Yes. That's that's something I hadn't hadn't fathomed. I mean, I I've been working in the denomination for a long time, and I, I had forgotten that at one point we had general youth events that uh, were specifically targeted for college age people. Yes. And that we actually went to colleges. It makes me wonder if the the place that you went in Fayetteville might have been one of our old Bible colleges, um, but I don't I, I don't no remember. Idea. Yeah, I have no idea. It's, it's it was a college long. campus. That's all I know. We, we stayed in a big dorm. Yeah, we stayed in tents at Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. <laughs> oh my we gosh! We were not at a college there. We were in tents. In tents for college age people. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was DSF people, and we used to have district. Uh, meetings for high school and for CYF and I got to be a, an officer in the our district CYF which was probably northwest I think I know it had Ponca City in it and it had Stillwater in it yeah we, and we whatever didn't, else was around yeah we didn't we didn't modify the the districts until gosh I don't know it, it had it in in the 80s maybe the 90s but we didn't I mean we still have districts Sort of. Sort of, yeah. But we don't meet or anything. Right, like the only ones that meet are the clergy. And and the know. women used to. I don't know if they... Well, we have since I've been here, so... Yeah, yeah. I, have I know that I know that the women's groups try to get together and the men's groups try to get together with the region, but... Um, yeah, we used to make a big deal out of it. Yeah. So so this, this kind of goes right along with this. You know, one of the things that we used to do a lot at church camps was talk about baptism and... Yeah, I don't remember what we talked about. Yeah, I was, but I, I'm, I'm just curious. So what, is, what does baptism mean to you, like theologically? At the time I was baptized, um, it just meant you do this thing that means you're a Christian and you belong to the church. And I don't think I probably had any other idea about it at all. I wasn't in pastor's class because we delivered milk at that time. Right. But since then, well, in high school... Junior high and high school in, in our classes and probably in Sunday school, though I don't even remember anything about Sunday school. I couldn't even tell you who taught us. Our sponsor for CYF, however, was, um, what was his name? I don't remember right now, but I will. Mm -hmm. I worked for him one summer. Um, I, I know we talked about baptism then, and we talked about baptism as we're buried in the water like Christ was buried. Oh, when, neat. When he died. And so, and, and then, did, did the conversation then lead into that when you come up out right. of the water? Yeah. It's like a resurrection? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that's just curious, because we've gone yeah, through we different manifestations on that. So yeah, that's what it was in the 40s. So, uh... And 50s. And 50s. <laughs> yeah, we're going to say, you know, back 50s. Back in the old days. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know if Actually, I'd say it was fifties when I was in junior high and high school. It was forties when I was in elementary school. Right. So, uh, so as in a, college. Yes. Yeah, so, so you were in junior high or high school that you were baptized. Well, I was. Yes, I was. I was going into seventh grade. Now, did did they? I was eleven. You were eleven. Did did they approach you about being a, being baptized? No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
the lady that I think was either superintendent of the Sunday school or, I don't know, somehow she, she wasn't our teacher, but she was in charge. And she came to um, this other girl and I, who were evidently the only ones who hadn't been baptized, who were going into junior high. And she said, I think before you go into junior high, you ought to be baptized. And I said, okay, I'm ready. And so, <laughs> and so I did. And the other girl didn't. And later she married a Catholic and went to the Catholic church because I went to her funeral recently. But um, I was baptized then. And I wanted to go on the first verse. I was ready to go out. And my mother's hanging onto my dress going, oh, no, awesome. don't go yet. So I went on the last verse. It looked like I just now made up my mind. That wasn't it at all. My mother was holding on to me. <laughs> I don't know why she didn't want me to go at first. So I was baptized with all these kids who were 10 and 9. Well, mostly they were 10. There was a 9-year-old. Betty K. Yon always had to be in with the older girls, and so she oh, she me. was baptized. And Corinne Kirtley and Erling Dyswander were all in that 10-year-old group. Oh, my goodness. That's there awesome. There were about eight of us. There were there were several. And, and so was this like on an Easter Sunday? Probably. Yeah, because we did that for a long time as a denomination yeah. during Lent, and that's when the pastor's classes were. And I think so. So, so uh, I have to ask this question because everybody's experience with baptism is different. Was was it in a baptistry? Yes, and in was the, in the church on Eighth Street. That's it. And so that was. Uh, do you now? This is just kind of a funny question because everybody has a different experience on this. Was the water cold or hot? I or don't do you, remember. you don't remember? Sometimes it probably say, wasn't very much either way, or I would have remembered. I was going to say, which is awesome. Um, and the and the preacher afterwards said, "Oh well, he did. He said that. He said it's supposed to be like you're buried and you don't breathe, but I think you breathe." And I went, "Oh well." <laughs> Mind you, I was afraid of water at the time, so. Yeah, the fact we got you in there anyway is awesome. Well, so you know, for us. The biggest, the reason I'm asking this question was is that for a long, long time, the denomination believed, and and I don't really want to say it that way, because you're still a part of. As we're talking about this, this is before we created the denomination, so this is right, still the Christian true. Christian mer- movement. Brotherhood. So, the brotherhood. That's right. Yeah, my, uh, I hear that all the time. Yeah, so that's what we said. <clears throat> so in the brotherhood, we we had a we had a really long discussion about what baptism means and. What communion means. So, um, so just out of curiosity, what does communion mean to you today? That we partake of the emblems. We're invited to the table by Christ and by God Himself, and we we partake of the emblems, which remind us that Jesus was baptized, baptized, was killed, and resurrected for our sins. Nice. So. When, when you were a kid, did, did they explain that to you? As, Probably not. No, yeah. Sometimes that's a memory. I have no idea. I know we talked about baptism. Whether we talked about communion or not, I don't remember. I know we used to have an elder that would talk about the cruel old tree, and I, I would say in my mind, oh my goodness. it was not the tree's fault. Oh, my goodness. He did. Oh, wow. But, well, so so were you allowed to have communion before being baptized? Oh, no, not in this church. No. Not, nice. And you weren't a member unless you were baptized by immersion. That's, that's what right. I wanted to hear. Yes. Yeah, when you I know, was a kid, that's how it was. That's and that was that was a big that was a big that was how it was 50s. when I was a kid. I mean, even in the eighties. Oh, okay. In, in the eighties, it was. I don't know when this one changed. <clears throat> it was changed when I came back, but yeah, that wasn't until late nineties. I was going to say in the, in the mid nineties, we we kind of had a different discussion as a as a denomination now outside of the idea of brotherhood that they, we said 
baptism is uh, an inward reflection of an outward faith, you know, or whatever how they say, outward expression of an inward, inward faith. faith. I always get it backwards, which which we stole from another denomination. Just saying. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and then and really what happened is is that baptism became a, a personal thing that was uh, for you and with the congregation, but communion was uh, an open thing, and so uh, we wanted. From the very beginning, the denomination was very adamant about who was allowed to take communion. But then from the 20s till about the, well, till the 80s, only people that were baptized by immersion could take it, which is weird. We changed. We were not that way at uh, Boulevard Congregational and Christian Church in, in Lawton. It had been started as an offshoot from First Christian to get the people on the south end of town. No, nice. it's not the south end of town. I always had my directions confused in Lawton. I always had to think, okay, that seems like north, so it's really, you know, and I can't tell you now which direction that was, but it was way out from the from the church. I mean, we were on 50-something, then the church was right downtown. Gotcha. As much as they have a downtown, which isn't really good. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, they may have had to do that when they included the congregational church which had become part of the United Church of Christ, but they still called it the Congregational Church. Well, they were down to 10 members. Right. And so they approached, or I don't know, I suppose they approached Boulevard about becoming a... So at that point, whether they had done it before or not, I don't know, but I went there in 81. And they were having baptism as you wanted it and communion for anybody who wanted to take it. So that was, that was 81. Yeah, that that. that but they might have had to do it because of the congregation, but because they were they were sprinkled, I think. Yeah, yeah, and so the the ecumenical movement really kind of kicked off in the eighties, in the in the nineties. I, I think I, I as far well, as it I was can going tell, really strong in the late fifties, early sixties. Yes, but after that, I didn't know what happened to it. So that's when we became a denomination. Oh, okay. When we became a denomination, we said, "Well, we're we're different, but we we." With the language changed to in 1971, we changed the language to uh, covenantal relationships, ah. and so the UCC I congregational have heard that, word, that term, <clears throat> and so that this covenantal relationship allowed us to do things. We could use ministers from one another, elders from one another, even baptisms were recognized from one another. And then about the 80s and 90s, we even went a step further and just said, "Look, if if you come, you're coming. That's it." And <laughs> that's it, it. We just made it simple. That's what we were doing in 81. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And you got and the to only see thing that. that we did besides those two things was that we used, we had been using debts and debtors, and, and the congregationalists wanted to use sins. Sin, sins uh, and trespasses. Sins. No, trespasses went back to the King James. Oh, wow. So we used that. That's amazing. Like we're doing here. Yeah, and and, it, and it's, it's funny as you say it that way because in, in my head, you know, I, I don't think I've been to a single Disciple of Christ Church that says it the same way throughout my whole... T- well, there's my, only three ways, really. I know, but every church says it differently. Well, in the, in the 22 years I've been retired, um, we've said it all three ways here in this church. For real? Yes. We were doing debts and debtors, and we'd been doing that since George Warren Campbell. Up to that point, we were doing trespasses. And he did debt and debtors, which is what... Phillips was doing it. We were using the, we were using the Revised Standard Version, which had just come out. 
Oh. The New Testament in 52, the Old Testament yeah. in 54 or 5 or something. And I went in 56, and they had printed RSV Bibles, which we had as a text. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. So he started as Debts and Debtors. Um, Scott, Lynn Scott went to Sins and yeah. Sinners. And that never made sense to me theologically because those... As we forgive those who sin against us, I don't believe that people can sin against us. We sin against God nice. and his laws. A person can't sin against me. I don't have that kind of power over anybody. Yeah, no, that's I can have debts and I can have trespasses, I guess, though I was teaching at Centenary Methodist in Lawton, third and fourth graders. And that was just, they invited every two years just because, I don't think the denomination necessarily did, but they did because they had so many kids. Right. So I had third and fourth graders, and one of our lessons was on the, the Lord's Prayer. And we came to tre trespasses, which we were using in that church. And I said to the kids, what does that mean? They said, it's when you go to hunt on somebody's property you don't have permission for. <laughs> which well, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I said, well, in this particular instance, that's not what we're talking about. So it took the whole hour to try to explain what trespasses were. Oh, my goodness. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, so I, I, I have some weird questions that are not necessarily on this list. But, okay. be, but because, it's, uh, because you and I have had conversations about it, uh, I've, I've always found it fascinating that you went into Christian education um, mm -hmm. at, at Phillips, mm -hmm. and uh, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that. You know, okay, because you'd have been there okay. about the same time my grandparents would have been there. They're they're much much older than you are, but <laughs> they would have been the adults while you would have been a student there. So I'm I'm just curious why Christian education. Okay, and, and that's very there. easy. I was I was in the church all the time, as I say, and when I looked around. At what people could do. People were women were secretaries. They were teachers. I did not want to teach. I am forever grateful that I did not want to teach because the '60s were absolute and the '70s worse were absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. The kids didn't listen to anything. They took any kind of drugs their parents had in their medicine cabinets. They didn't even know what they took. They passed them all around at school. They didn't know what the thing was going on. They right. had no idea what was going on. So um, I was glad I wasn't a teacher. That was about it. That's all I knew you could do. Well, then I met um, Amy Gibbs, she was then, who was the Christian Education Director at, at Stillwater and who was a, a counselor in our conference every year. We even sang a song about her once, but she wasn't happy about it. <laughs> but it was once in love with Amy, always in love with Amy. Um, Nancy knew that, I didn't. And I was a close friend, and she was another person on the district, whatever. Right, the, the leadership thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. There were six or seven of us, there were a lot. We have a lot of titles. I have no idea what mine was, probably secretary. Anyway, um, she and I had talked about it, and I adored Amy, and that led me to another possibility for a woman. So I started thinking maybe I could do that. Well, I started the conversation with my father about my going to college. He had an idea that college was for boys, not for girls. Mm -hmm. And we argued for two years about that, and I was adamant. 
And the part where I was wrong is that I should have gone to OSU for two years. It would have been a little bit cheaper, but I could have stayed with my grandmother, which would have been a lot cheaper. Right. And I could have paid for it myself because I had that much money saved for two years at OSU if I stayed with my grandmother. And she was only like six blocks from campus. It wasn't that far. Um, but I didn't. I was arguing for Christian education, and I had to go to Phillips. And so he finally gave in because I was not going to give in. And he could have said, okay, that's it, when I couldn't pay for the second year because I didn't have a job. I worked that summer um, for that guy whose name I can't remember, Brown, something Brown. He was a carpenter, and he hired me to clean windows after he got his carpentry and done on new houses. Oh, nice. <laughs> We had a lot of new houses, evidently, because we still had veterans housing, and all those people had to go somewhere. Wow. Anyway, um, he didn't kick, kick, had me have me quit then. He found the money somewhere. Um, but that's why I got into Christian education. It was an alternative to secretary and teacher. I, I get it. And, and My father said, you can, you can be a secretary here, which I probably could have done, until you get married. Well, that would have been a long haul. <laughs> now, yeah. B- Betty Gunn, who works at Dighton Mahler yeah. now, though she's 82 like me, because um, we were in class together, she stayed in town. She was secretary to a lawyer, and she did marry while she was here. Yeah. Time alone. Well, and so so then you, you graduate with your Christian education degree, mm-hmm. and then what did you do? Then I went to... El Reno, and was a Christian education director for three years. And then, and then, af- and then after that. Okay, I wanted to I wanted to leave the church, um, partly because the minister's behavior, and partly because they blamed me for these two sixteen year old twins breaking the front door of the church, which I didn't think was my fault at all. They were two male counselors and a couple of parents, mm-hmm. besides me, in charge of that meeting. We were having a social thing. I think they could dance if they wanted to, but the 16-year-old twins probably didn't know how. And the, the male counselors didn't think there was anything to do because they said their father beats them when they do something wrong, and we can't beat them, so I don't think they'll have it pay any attention to what we say. They broke the front door of the church. Oh, no. Big. This was a huge church. It had over a 1,000 members, and we used to have 700 on Easter. Wow. And we'd have 250 or 300 every single Sunday. That's amazing. It, it was a huge church. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated because shortly after this, you end up going into social work. Okay, well, and, I couldn't find another church, and, and uh, Bob Elliott wrote the most glamorous letter for me. I mean, I don't even know that he told the truth the whole time, but <laughs> he made it sound like I had all the qualities there were in the world. The only job that was open was uh, uh, in a church in Tulsa, and... They hired a man who was not a Christian educator, but they could use him as an associate minister. Right. And so that's, they did that, and I understood that. So I went to Oklahoma City to be a secretary, which was all I knew how to do. I'd been the secretary here my senior, senior year of right. college, uh, high school. The, sum, the summer before that, the principal had come to my dad and said, would you let Sally work for Ditchwich? Because they usually hire someone to work the summer and then stay during the, their senior year. And Dad said, okay, because my next brother coming up could do the, what I'd been doing. I mean, the, the, the second little one, not David, but the next one down. Right. So 
which was wash the machinery and bottle milk. <laughs> Said Robert could do that. So I worked for, I was, a, I was a mail clerk. They had cabinets full of little drawers about that long with little address labels which fit by a drawer full at a time on this machine and then the, you stacked envelopes and it fed the envelope through and pushed ink through on that, that thingy and addressed these envelopes and they were all over the world. Wow. And at that point they had one little ditch digger and a safety harness called a Geronimo and something else I've forgotten the name of. And we sent tons of advertising material out for that. Well, um, Ed's, his father was housebound already. I think he'd had a stroke or something. His mother used to come down, and she mainly figured that the women were her responsibility. And so she came to Barbara and I, who were the only, Barbara ran the mimeograph machine. Right. When it didn't work, Ed would take it out in the factory, which was, which was that, it's that building on um, Blair. There's a long, there's a little building that looks like an office thing, and then there's a big, long building. That was their whole factory at the time. Anyway, she'd come back to our little bailiwick and, and tell us how to do things, and I was just scared to death of her. And so when George Warren asked if I'd come be secretary, I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I worked after school and on Saturday mornings. Anyway, I'd done that, and when I went to college um, my junior year, I was secretary to Jack, who was then in seminary and was the college counselor, not minister. Which Jack? Jack, De Jack Devine. Oh, Jack Devine, yeah. I can't remember. I was all impressed with him. I mean, I liked him okay before. I'd been in band with him, but he would speak to me on campus, and he was a big senior, and I was a freshman. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's awesome. Anyway, I worked for him as his secretary. He was whatever you call the person who counseled with the college-age kids with the DSF group. Okay. And he did that the next year, too. No, the next year, he was a first-year seminarian when he got that job. And the next year, he had a fellowship, some big fellowship to Switzerland. And he and his girlfriend at the time would sit in his office and giggle, and they were supposed to be learning French. <laughs> right. I don't know whether they were or not. And he would get me jobs typing papers for all his fellow seminarians, 10 cents a page. Nice. When my nephew, my second oldest nephew, went to OSU, he got a dollar a page typing people's papers. But anyway, um, I typed a lot of papers. I made a little bit of money doing that. Um, and I also was a grader for the head of the English department. I'd been in her honors class. And when I asked her about the job at the end of my sophomore year, um, she said, I always hire an English major. And I said, well, if you don't happen to get one. So she said, it's Rose somebody. I don't remember what her last name was. Well, in the fall, she called me and said, Rose didn't come back to school this year, so you can have the job if you want it. And I said, I'll be right there. <laughs> so I worked 30 hours a week. I carried 18 and a half hours each semester, and I made my best grades of the whole year, of the whole my whole career there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, so I knew secretarial. I could, I could do secretarial. So when I needed a job and I couldn't get a church, and I didn't want to go out of state at that point. I was very timid. So I went to Oklahoma City. I figured there were lots of social work, I mean social work, um, secretary jobs there. I went to the, to the um, employment office, and they said, can you type and can you do shorthand? And I said, I can type. I can't. You know, I had a 
semester of shorthand in high school, but I can't remember it. So they gave me a typing test, and I typed 83 words a minute, 84 words a minute with three errors. Oh, my goodness. On a standard typewriter. So she said, I don't think I have anything for you. What kind of pay were you trying to get? And I said, well, I figure I need at least $300 a month to live in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. And she said, oh, I couldn't do that at all. So I went home and <clears throat> went to this girl's, another uh, Christian education director. She said, what church are you going to go to? She said I could come stay with her for a week while I was looking around for a job. And she said, what church are you thinking about going to? And I said, well, I'm going to look for an apartment in the northwest part of town. And I thought I'd go to Northwest Christian. And she said, well, don't come to my church. Well, I wasn't thinking about it because it was Kelly Avenue, which joined with East or somewhere. I don't right. Know. It went away. Anyway, so I thought, well, maybe I better go ask at Northwest. So I went to uh, Naomi Harmon. I'd gone with her to national Christian education meetings in St. Louis, Missouri, the whole three years I was in El Reno. So I went to her and said, do you care if I come to your church? She said, no, it's fine. So I went to Northwest Christian. Well, then I went to, I found an apartment on 26th and Penn, $80 a month, which I thought was terrible because I was paying 35 in El Reno. But they were church people. Right. One of them had divided their house for their son, and they let me stay in it until their son got ready, and then they told me I'd have to leave. And this lady had divided hers in half, theirs was in half this way, hers was in half this way, for her mother, who had since died. So she let me stay there. So they let me stay both those places for $35 a month. I was making 300 a month. My goodness. So I went to, and if it had been a man, I found a piece of paper in the filing cabinet said if it had if they had hired a man they would have paid him forty eight hundred. That's a whole different world. Whole different world. Well, not all that much. It's still that way, a good bit. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, um, I thought, well, if the health, if the employment office can't help me, then I'm I'm on my own. So I think I looked in the newspaper. I don't know when there wasn't anything in there really, and so I called a, a private placement place. I don't know what you call those. Yeah. And. She said, can you type? I said, well, I typed 83 words a minute, 84 words a minute with three errors at the, at the employment office, but that sounded awfully fast to me. And she said, well, we don't accept their results, so I'll give you another one. And it was an electric typewriter, which I'd never used before. So I said to myself, okay, let's just slow down because nobody needs 84 words a minute and make it perfect copy. I typed 93 words, 93 words a minute perfect copy on an electric machine that I had never typed on before. She said, let me call somebody. <laughs> and she called Noel Adams. And they, and they knew I didn't have shorthand. And Noel Adams was the president of the Oklahoma School of Banking and Business. And right downtown, it's where, it's where the, the pay plan took that building out. And it's part of a... Just an open area, paved open area, north of the, what's that big tall building? The Devlin Towers? Oh, no, no, that's, this is, this is way back. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was built probably, I was there till 66, and it wasn't built till some years after that, but before too long. It was the, it was the, I don't know, the name of the bank. And it's changed hands two or three times anyway. But I was there. He hired me as a, 
a receptionist, and the bookkeeper, who was the other person in the office, taught me bookkeeping because she was she was married and her husband was planning to go somewhere to mm -hmm. preach, and so she was going to go with him. So she taught me bookkeeping for the six months that I was that she was there. And so when she left, I became the bookkeeper and Mr. Adams' secretary, which she had been also. Um, and of course, I couldn't, I couldn't take shorthand, so I couldn't take his dictation. So we put it on. Um, we used all IBM stuff. We had IBM with Selectrix with those little balls, mm -hmm. and we had and their ribbons come on big long things, but they're about a quarter of an inch wide. Right. On this thing, I was the only person in the building. It turned out who could put one of those on a typewriter without losing half of it. Oh, wow, that's awesome. So I went around to the classes and put <laughs> ribbons on their machines when they ran out. Anyway, and then I was bookkeeper, and we had three bank accounts. We had a dormitory. We had the K. Adams School of Secretarial School. That was the name of his oldest daughter, older daughter. Um, the Oklahoma School of Banking and Business. We did bank bookkeeping machines, which were, which were key punch on little cards. I never could think why that was better than just punching in the information on a typewriter because <laughs> you could make just as many mistakes punching those holes as you could doing something else. But anyway, we taught that. That was big. That was new at that time. Right. Bank bookkeeping machines. And they had an automotive school. which So I worked there for three years, and then I went to the automotive school because they discovered that the bookkeeper there hadn't been making hadn't been making any entries in anything. She made the deposits, but that's all she did. And oh wrote the and wrote the payroll checks. So I straightened that out and they hired a woman as bookkeeper and his secretary had come to work his his daughter had come to work there and she became his secretary. And this other girl was going to be the uh, bookkeeper. And she stole them ten thousand dollars blind before they realized that she was Oh my goodness. And so they had me come back and figure out how she did it and I did. She deposited checks and wrote receipts for cash that kids brought in. Oh, my goodness. $10,000 worth. So from the automotive school, I was going, okay, I've got, there's got to be something else in this world to do. Because I'd been four years doing that stuff. And bookkeeping is just like housekeeping. You do it, and it messes up. You do it, and it messes up. You know, totally mm -hmm. boring. I said that one time, though, and it was the wrong person because she'd been a bookkeeper her entire life here, right. a county clerk or something. I don't know. Anyway, I uh, took a, a Cooter preference test, which I'd had a couple of times before. I was fairly familiar with the thing. And it suggested a book, um, librarian, and I knew, well, I was thinking about the Perry Library. They didn't. I knew they didn't make any money. They only worked part-time. Um teaching, which I didn't want to do, and English, which I could have done, math, which I could not have. I only got to second, to Algebra 2 and uh, plane geometry. We didn't, all we had above that was, was solid geometry. We didn't have, by the time David came along three years later, they had trigonometry, and now they've got all kinds calculus of and all kinds of stuff. That's right. But they didn't have, they, you know, we didn't have hardly anything. And I didn't know there was a purpose for taking um, physics and chemistry because I didn't know what good they were for. I didn't have any idea what that was, so I didn't take them. Well, we don't talk about and there that. Were only, there were only boys that took it anyway. Right. Yeah, we didn't. Nobody said, you know, this might be something interesting to have. You're bright. You could do it. Nope. Nobody said that. So we had a counselor in school, but she didn't do anything. 
she was the drama teacher and she did she did the plays. She let me have a, a one line in the senior play because I kept trying every year. Oh, that's <laughs> no so, talent whatsoever. She gave so me one cool. line. I told George Warren and Drew Lee, and I'm going to be in the play. <laughs> and they went and they came back and said, "You only had one line." I said, "I know, but, but I, was, I, was there. I was in." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, so the Cooter preference test, when we got down to all those things I didn't want to do, and there were only four or five, um, the last one was a social worker, and I said, I don't know what that is, so I'll do it. He said, you can go to fill it to OU. They, it's the only one in Oklahoma, still is. And um, they give you a scholarship. Right. Doesn't make any difference what you have or don't have. They'll give you a scholarship. I said, okay. So I lived on $200 a month, of which I was paying $50 a month rent in Norman. I don't know why I thought I had to live there, but I did and $25 a month in Tulsa, where we went for um, field work with Tulsa County DPW. Oh, my goodness. So you did social work for a long time. 28 years. 28 years. After three years of Christian education, four as secretary bookkeeper, 28 as social worker, and then I was in college for six years. That's the 41 years I was gone from here. Oh, my goodness. And that whole time you were extremely active in churches. Like I Oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, always active in choir, always active in, in anything musical. Played bell choir. Bell choir. And, and two churches besides this one. That's right. And so, so like, in all of those experiences that you had, uh, I, I I look at you as kind of an expert, you know, in, in a lot of things, specifically when you talk about worship, you know. So, like, uh, what is your favorite part of worship? The thing I seem to go for is the whole atmosphere and then the sermon communion and music and i should have probably put music first <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i think i think music is your your number i mean so if, if i was to change the question and say like where do you feel the presence of the divine in worship where would that be i don't be? know sometimes i don't um yeah that's i mean that's very true i understand that completely yeah Prayer, sometimes communion, sometimes music, sometimes the sermon, and sometimes not in any of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Not not always one more than the other. Right. And so since we're talking, uh, we, we, we talked briefly, just literally glanced over the aspect of music. It's very important to both of our lives. Um, you know, do, do, you, do you have a favorite hymn that... that you kind of grew up with? Um, I, I didn't grow up with it. We, we studied it in, in college, in Christian education. I, we must have been in materials or, well, we had a class in worship. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you yeah. have yeah. G. Edwin Osborne there at we, that point. So Well, but he was in the seminary, so. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of those guys I didn't ever see. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Christensen. Roger Christensen was Roger, still there. Yeah. Christensen, is that right? Yeah, well, there's a Jim Christensen and a no, Roger. No, but... no Ro Karstensen. Okay, Karstensen, Karstensen, yeah. had six kids. He believed that people who were very bright, and he certainly was, ought to have lots of kids, and poor people ought to have very few. And I said, you're not going to make that go. <laughs> <laughs> but he had six. He was trying. He had the twins and, and Connie, who was in junior high when I was there. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, um, they were in seminary, and I, I took a class in Bible just so I could have Roger Carstensen. He taught one for the seniors in, in college, just as a, you know, stepping down to the little goonies. Right. Um, he used to come to our conferences and tell funny stories. 
Um, what was the question? What's your favorite hymn? Oh, oh, oh. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Except the words I know are different. But we memorized all four verses of that, and I loved it. That's still my favorite hymn. That's awesome. Yeah, it was probably my junior year in college. And I think that was probably written around that time frame. No, no, no. That one was written in the early 40s. Okay. But it, it didn't become popular like until then. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I still like it. So, you know, I ask every single person I do this interview with, and, I, and like I told you at the beginning, I... I need to be more specific, but like, what's your favorite liturgical season? I, you know, we we say that we're not a liturgical church movement, but in a lot in of senses, bits, in bits we are. Yeah, in bits we are. Um, I don't know. I think the most meaningful is Easter. Um, the most fun is Christmas, and the only thing about Pentecost is that. Um, Martin Foster had us wear riot red or orange. It turned out to be more orange, but yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> in this church, yeah, yeah. I found I found red. Uh, yeah, I found that, red. Good job. Um, I. It would be okay with me if we just kind of did those in passing, because it's important to remember them. Not that Christ was born at Christmas time, anyway. Right. But right. The fact of his birth, whenever that was, which we don't know. Right. Um, is important, and the fact that he died and was resurrected, uh, we not only remember in baptism and in, in communion, but is the whole purpose of our existence. So Easter is more important theologically, I think. If we knew when he was born, it might be a little bit more important theologically there, but we don't, so yeah. forget that. Um, but I don't know that I have a favorite season i don't seasons i guess easter because it's more meaningful as far as i can tell well i was gonna say i, I think we also both like uh christmas because we have all the good music at well that that's point. true we, yeah that's true easter's yeah. there's there's uh cool songs but <laughs> it's not the same with his christmas so um again as as we continue this discussion about what does worship mean it, it's also important to me that we talk about church words churches have a lot of words that we use and you and i've used a lot today because of our relationship with the denomination and um but like one word that gets thrown out a lot is the word outreach um like what what does it mean to you and 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 do you see and where do you see that today outreach used to mean missions and when i was a kid we talked a lot about missions and we even had missionaries come here mm -hmm. And I've asked you and I asked Martin Foster, do we even have missions these days? And you both said yes, but nobody said they're here and here and here. Right. But in women's group, uh, we had lesson material that would speak of some missions that we have. Um, I made a big thing about a, a church in California, though, and yes, that's missions, but that's not how. We used to have a mission in Oklahoma in in or around Altus, they called it Jackson County, so I don't know that it was at Altus. Uh, and it was for migrant farmers, yeah. which you evidently had a lot of. And I, one was at Yakima. Yep, Yakima Indian Mission. Mm -hmm, we studied all those. And we had, of course, when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, we still had missions in, in China, but by the time I was in junior high, we did not anymore. 
China kicked us out. Right. But we, we were big in the Congo, mm -hmm. and I've known, we had one girl in our class whose parents were missionaries in Congo, and I think um, Linda Scott's parents were missionaries in the Philippines, maybe? Yep. I don't know. I don't think we'd been in the Philippines before World War II. Yeah, we weren't there before World War II. We, we definitely... But the Congo was a huge one. Yeah, we had a lot of people. And, and when you were at Phillips, you would have met some of them that had just come back. Um, the okay. Angle family specifically, Don and Barbara, came back to the United States. Don and Barbara Angle were in the Congo. Okay. Their kids are probably... I want to say they're about your age, but I think they're my parents' age. And okay. so I think Don and Barbara are about your age. Um, now that I think about it. I don't it. remember them. The girl that was in school that was from, what was her last name? I'd have to have my yearbook to find her. Her first name was Julie, I think, but, but her parents were in the Congo at the time. When oh, she while she was at school. She, yeah, that's, was, yeah, that was, and, and so now that's, that's exactly what I was asking. So like, yeah. so. So that, at that time, that meant outreach. Now when we talk about outreach, we're more likely talking about um people in the community that are unreached and that are not Christian and haven't heard the news and that we ought to be reaching out to. And, and I have no personal interest in that whatsoever. I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, like that. When even I was in high school, we had, we had um, re revivals. Right. And they taught us little chorus thingies, some of which are in our hymnal now, which I find interesting. They weren't back then. They had to teach them just by rote. But... Um, one group was the Deem Hobart team, and the Deem was the preacher, and the Hobart was the music, and he and his wife sang, and they taught us all these little songs, and it was Betty Hobart, I think, that was in, um, I don't know where I was taking her, but I was driving George Warren's car because they'd had a horrific wreck, and he bought a standard, uh, had bought an automatic transmission, which would be easier for him once his arm and leg were healed. Mm -hmm. And I was driving it. And I drove him around, but I was taking her someplace, I don't know. And I hit the clutch and the brake instead of the clutch, which I had a problem of doing. Turned the car right around in the middle of the <laughs> middle of the street right out here. Oh no. When I was a senior in high school. But I loved the Dean Hobart team and my goal at that point I was when I was a junior and senior in high school was well, when I was a sophomore, I, I considered that I was going to have four kids, two sets of triplets like the Bobsy twins. <laughs> and I got baby books and looked up all the names and could tell everybody what their names meant. And I wanted to, I wanted to marry an um, evangelist and live in one of those little Airstream <laughs> thingies that they parked right out here on the Yeah, they were yard. fancy. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah, those are cool. I, I think that's funny because a, a, another word that gets thrown out a lot is the word evangelism. You know, mm -hmm. like, I, I think at that time, I think today, revivals would be considered in the category of evangelism versus outreach. Because I, I agree with you. I think the term yeah, I, the term they, has changed. Yeah, they meant evangelism, and we went to people's houses. But I think now when people use outreach, sometimes that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, so uh, as we kind of get kind of closer to the end of this discussion, I, I we're a no book but the Bible church. Like that's something that's right. that who we are. And uh, I know I know you are a very uh, knowledgeable person of Scripture. So 
it's a hard question for me to ask you, but like, what is your favorite scripture? My favorite, very favorite thing of all is that one in First Peter 1, 7 and 8, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, you were once no people, and now you are a royal priesthood or whatever. Of all believers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one. And then for the book that I like, it's mostly Ephesians. And the scripture, um, the Bible um, translation that I've most enjoyed, and I wore it completely out, and I gave it to my eldest nephew and I'm, when he was coming to church here when he was in high school, which was Miss David's son, little David's son. And I'm sure he either threw it away or he threw it somewhere and it fell apart because it was nearly falling apart anyway, but was J.B. J.B. and the name's gone. I don't know. I bought it after I got out of college, and I read and read in that thing because I loved it. I, I didn't memorize from it. Whatever I know by memories from the King James. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird how we do that? I mean... Well, that's when I memorized them. Me too. And I've tried memorizing the 23rd Psalm out of NIV or... No, I don't have an Old Testament um, RSV revised. Huh. I have a New Testament of that, but I don't have enough. Well, it has the Psalms in it, though. Anyway, I've tried doing the 23rd Psalm in those, and now I'm just confused, and I have to go back to King James because that's the only one I can say right. I do the exact same thing. I, I you know, I, I think I probably use the New Revised Standard Version for just about everything, um, just because the language changed a little bit, and there was some, I think there were some better translation things that they did between Greek and Hebrew. Not that the RSV was bad, it's just the RSV it's did old. not. It's, yeah. it's right, and it's it's, it's the older academic the side. 50s. Yeah, but um, it was huge that they got to do that. I, I used to have a, a New English New Testament, which I also gave away, a Jerusalem Bible, which I gave away. Um, what do you call it when you put the books in order by the time they were written? Oh, uh, you're talking about a chronology. Chronolo yeah, something. They had a, they have a Bible like that. Yeah, there's a chronology. And I bought Bible. it. And I didn't care anything about it, and I think I gave it to Rich Lambert. Anyway, somebody said, yeah, they'd like to have it, so I gave it away. So right now I have my uh, King James New Testament and uh, Psalms, which my grandmother gave me when I was 11, but it oh didn't have anything to do with my being baptized because she gave it to my cousin, too, and she wasn't baptized at that time. Gotcha. We were seven months apart. We're the oldest two, and she died, so now I'm the oldest one. Anyway, uh, I have that one, and I have... I gave away my Revised Standard Version. Um, I have the New Revised Standard Version, right. or whatever it's called, New Testament and Psalms, I probably, and the NIV. And I like the NIV. And you know, you said one time that the RSV Revised was used all the new translations, I mean the new information that exists, and right. it was more accurate where the NIV just took out... Um, all the Fs and whatevers. Yeah. And I see it the other way around. I see the RSV revised as having taken out the doeths and all that and putting brothers and sisters or men and women or whatever in there and that the NIV used all the other information that's come along. So I'm probably wrong about that. But I do like the NIV, so I use it all the time. No, I was going to say the NIV is, is, a, is a phenomenal translation. The The difference is the, the source places. Okay, source the so like... NIV comes directly from King James. And no, I don't think so. On on the on the the 
1989 version. The, the 1989 was... The first was, one? Came directly oh, from... Oh, 1989? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a couple NIVs out there. I think there. I had one before then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the one that, that I grew I up know. with was directly translated from... What they did is, is they changed the language from King James yeah. and made it Common English. Yeah. And so they called it the New International Version. And they did it with this, uh, a panel of people. Yeah, so, yeah they had a whole So it was, like, it, was a, it was a big deal. So between the RSV and the NIV, they were, they were competing translations at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And the RSV would have been before that, really. But then yeah, the I NIV, had that before I, yeah. before I had an NIV. And, and, and when I say that it's closer, it, it's, it's what we know of Greek and Hebrew today. So. Okay. So the NIV didn't use the Hebrew; they used the, the oh, sep- okay. they used the Greek Septuagint. So that's okay. that's where I'm saying. And so, like the, when you go to the RSV, well, it's really more the NRSV. It goes directly from the Hebrew that we have okay. into English. And see, I don't know Hebrew, and I don't read the Old Testament with great studious. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just that the weird New guy. Testament, yeah, but the New Testament, I find the NIV is. It's but better I translation. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. I think the NIV and King James are closer to the um, feeling of Greek than, okay. than I would say sometimes the NRSV because there's some there's always liberties taken with translation. Yeah. And I don't have the Old Testament for NRSV. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, again, I'm, I'm just that guy that likes to study Hebrew because it's, it's fun. <laughs> That's you what know, did. That's what I did. So I, I wanted to... Um, Bachelor of Arts degree because the Bachelor of Science degree at Phillips was just you took a typing proficiency right. exam. And for um, Bachelor of Arts, you took an extra speech class, um, an extra logic class, some more arts and science. Arts. I didn't have any. I had two classes of science, but that was required of everybody. It's definitely it was definitely a liberal arts school. Um, and a foreign language. And I think they taught Russian, maybe? They had another foreign language. But anyway, since I was in the Bible college, I took Greek. So I had two and a half years. We should have had three years, but the guys in the class, there were only about seven of us. Nancy and I, Nancy Livingston, that I remember with my freshman year, that was the daughter of the preacher at Tonkawa, and that I'd been in camp and conference and leadership with and stuff. She and I were in there, and we studied our lesson, and there were about five guys, and evidently they were reading from the um, interlinear vision, which Dr. Taylor knew well enough that he said he recognized it, and he yeah. said, you're reading from the interlinear, and I said, I want you to do the translation yourself. Yeah. And I, when I taught, I used to do the translation myself, but I got so far away from my schooling that I couldn't do that anymore, so I have an interlinear now. But it's just to pick out which words I want to look up in the lexicon. Yeah, and that's what we do. I mean, most of the time, when we nowadays, I, my, my Hebrew Bible professor is not going to listen to this, so I feel safe, but <laughs> she she would not ever allow me to use the interlinear for any of the, oh, yeah. the conversation. And, and really, it was because it has to be from my lens. Like, it can't be from somebody yeah. else's. No, that's as, what Dr. Taylor wanted yeah, in that class. That. It was an interpretation that. class. That's yeah. what it was. Well, then you had to and do so it And so he way. didn't teach it second semester because he said, if you aren't going to do it, I'm not going to teach it. Yeah, that's not going to be, that's not a waste of his and your son. So I had two and a half years. <laughs> that's a lot of Greek. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we didn't even have to take, uh, most most seminary students don't take Greek and Hebrew yeah. anymore. So it, it used to be you took two semesters, not two and a half years. Like that. So that's a big deal for me and. In, in our conversations, because uh, I 
I didn't spend as much time on Greek because there is so much information on Greek. And so I took the two semesters, even though it wasn't required, I just kind of, I just went in that extra angle. So you've had lots of Hebrew, lots of Hebrew. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now in my seventh class of Hebrew. So, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little different, but, um, so I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for oh, you're entirely welcome spending this time with me and, and uh, our interview is a lot different than it was the first yes. time. But but I, I did that on we purpose. We did the questions on the list the last time. Yeah, we did. And I, I did all of the questions on the list. The only one that I they skipped. Uh, oh, we didn't skip any. We just oh, we just okay. we just uh, we just homogenized well, we them. We covered them all. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, we did a really great. It was a good okay. time. So I want to say thank you, right. and uh, I'll talk to you later. All right.